360 podcast featured on allhabs.net with your host Chris G. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 177 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G. Coming up in the next 60 minutes or so, part 1 of our two best of episodes of the second half of the season. We're going to replay a conversation with CBC Montreal's Douglas Gelvin. You'll hear Rick and I discuss if Jared Tenorti's suspension for violating the terms of the Performance Enhancing Substances program was the route for the trade with the Coyotes. You'll hear how creative our listeners got when we asked them to tell us what they thought Bergevin was doing in St. John's over a weekend. But first, on the January 9th podcast, Sportsnet's Dave Randolph joined us and he started by talking about the Canadians' offense. Well, yeah, I mean, the stats certainly bear it out. The Canadians were one of the highest-scoring teams. Uh, they still are up there, statistically, but uh, as you well know and as all the, the uh, listeners to the podcast are, are well aware, that those numbers are inflated based upon uh, the first month and a half when they were scoring. Uh, you, you know, you can talk to coaches, and they'll say it's a 3-2 league. you got to score at least three to really have a shot. And certainly Montreal's record, when they score three or more versus when they score two or less, is startling. In fact, I think they've only won two games that they've uh, they've uh, won when they've scored two or less. So they were doing that with regularity. Uh, in fact, they did it in each and every one of those first nine games when they got off to that that best start in, in 99 years. I mean, it, how things have changed in a couple of months, right? Uh, I think Carey Price obviously. It, it was interesting um, when he remember he when he first got hurt. Before he came back for uh, you know a couple of games and then eventually left in late November in that game at Madison Square Garden, I, I spoke to Max Pacioretty. Actually, ironically, it was when they were in Pittsburgh. It was uh, I think middle of, middle of November and they were in Pittsburgh. And I asked him, and they were things were still going well. Remember, Condon was like six zero and one or something like that, and they were they were more than treading water without Carey Price. And I asked him, are, are you guys taking a little bit of pride, trying you know proving to everybody that you're not just a good team with a great goalie? And he said to me, uh, "I'd be lying if I said we, uh, I don't, and we, and we don't take pride in that. Uh, you know, we, we take great pride in the fact that we are a complete team. And yes, Kerry is a great goalie, maybe the best in the business. Uh, but uh, you know, we think that we've got a, a good team here that can push forward. And at the time, you know, it was it was accurate. Uh, but now, everybody has gone through a horrific slump. I mean, when you've got guys like." Daniel Carr and Paul Byron leading the team with goals in the month of December. Uh, that just shows you the, the, the problem they've had with, with everybody, Tom, from Thomas Placanis, Darnay, even Patch Reddy a little bit himself. You know, he started to pick it up of late. Uh, we all know PK has not scored since uh, late October. He's only got the one goal. In fact, one goal from the, the entire defense corps since December 1st. One goal, and it's from Jeff Petrie, who's not going to play tonight because he's injured. So 
you know, it's it's a perfect storm or an imperfect storm if you're a Canadian fan because not only have they lost, you know, arguably one of the best players in the game in Carey Price and won't have him for at least eight to ten more games, uh, their offense is completely uh, dried up and their their power play has been killing them. <laughs> you know, they scored a, a power play goal the other night, which was much needed. Well, what is it now? Four power play goals in the last 16 games. And I, I, I don't really have a great explanation for it. It's more... Uh, you know, a question for a, you know an analyst, but they need guys to dig down and and, and put that puck in the back of the net. Uh, Brendan Gallagher has the return of Gallagher has helped short term. It's only been three games, but he creates a lot of energy up and down that lineup. Let alone the line that he is playing on. He gets to the net. He disrupts the other team's uh, you know defensive structure. And uh, let's hope uh, for the Habs' sake that he can continue to do that tonight. Hey, Dave. It's Rick Stevens. Um... Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Um, you, you you reference storms. Um, certainly in Habsland, there's there's some dark clouds. And uh, right now, as if you you just do a scan of social media, a lot of those uh, disgruntled Habs fans are pointing the finger at Michelle Terrian. Um, I, I guess my question is about what uh, Mark Bergevin might do, and and I I don't think it's it's very likely that uh, at least right now. That he would uh, pull the the trigger on ejecting his uh, his his friend and coach, um, at least uh, not until uh, you know he makes a big move. Um, I don't see them uh, the Canadians necessarily being being in on the Duran sweepstakes. Um, you know, until now, Bergevin's been um, uh, has has done some minor deals, and and mostly those were cleanup kind of deals. Um, you know, the, the, the most recent being um, Max Freeberg for uh, Dustin Tokarski, and that was kind of to clean up the the, the log jam they have they will have at goal when Carey Price comes back, uh, and that was caused by acquiring uh, Ben Scrivens for you know another fixer upper kind of thing, uh, the Zach Cassian mistake, uh, and then the other uh, trade this 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 season was uh, the Lucas Lesio for. Um, Christian Thomas, who had some um, off-ice issues, um, so it's not been not it's not what the fans have been looking for that big move, that scoring winger, that problem to fill that hole. In your eyes, what's what's Mark Bergevin's uh, next move, and uh, are are we likely to see it before the All Star break? Well, um, the pressure does mount, right? With every every game that goes on. I mean, if you think back to Wednesday night, they've got that two nothing lead going into the third period, and the Devils score right away, and it's two one. If the Canadians lose that game, I mean, this is it, it is already a very serious situation in terms of the Canadians hanging on to their playoff spot, with teams all around them uh, putting the pressure on, and, and just about everybody has got at least a game in hand on them. So I, I think you're right to. To, to suggest that this is not just a, you know, this is no longer just a little a cold spell or dry spell. This is this is a free fall that uh, the Canadians need to stop with, um, you know, winning. They haven't won back-to-back games since late November. So they need to fix this, and whether or not it's in that room or not, uh, I don't know. First of all, in terms of making that big move that every fan loves to see, the trade that we saw with Ryan Johansson and Seth Jones going back and forth for one another, those trades, they, massive trades like that just don't happen very often, and certainly uh, even less frequent during the season. Uh, I think you heard both GMs saying that trades like that are so difficult to make. There's so many things that go into it from an entire franchise direction standpoint. Uh, I don't see that kind of move being made. That, that's for sure that, that kind of earth-shattering uh, mega move where you move a guy like uh, you know a core piece for another core piece. Uh, I think they do need some help up front. They've, they've been searching for size and scoring for an awful long time. And, uh, you know, there have been some good moves that uh, Bergevin has done over the last couple of years that have worked out, right? I mean, if you, I know Thomas Fleischman is a scratch right now, but he was having a lot of good success with David Darnay, and, and he's one of many that, that went dry, and uh, maybe this might help him recharge his game to get back so he can be a little bit more effectively and get past that eight goals that he you know, he piled up there in the in the early stages of the season. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think a move is coming before uh, any kind of uh, decision would be made on Michelle Terrain. But you know, make no mistake, this this team has very high expectations. Uh, there's a lot of teams that do. The Pittsburgh Penguins were five games over 500 when they fired Mike Johnston. 
Now, there was a lot of things uh, going on in the background there, as, as we all know. There was rumors that he didn't get along with the, uh, his direction, just didn't fit with the new GM, and, uh, and, and, and hence the move to bring in Mike Sullivan. But what I'm saying here is that you know they, they actually had a winning record, but the expectations weren't being met. And I would suggest the expectations here in Montreal are, were even higher. Uh, and uh, with this kind of potentially slipping away, uh, and because it is it is close to that right now, unless they start stringing a bunch of wins back together again before uh, Carey Price gets back, then you know that that is not out of the question. I'm not suggesting that's what should happen. Uh, you know, Michelle Therrien didn't just get uh, become a bad coach overnight. This is a guy who's won 50 games in the last two seasons, and uh, you know they, they've had tremendous luck. Uh, and I know there might be some out there suggesting, well, of course he's got Carey Price. Yes, he does. I know that. <laughs> but I think it's a little simplistic to just say that, that uh, you know, he's got a great goalie and, and, and he hasn't made any good, any good decisions along the way. It's funny how a coach uh, feels the greatest amount of heat when, when, you know, the fan base, and there's none bigger and more passionate than this one here in Montreal, when, when they start to uh, get anxious, it's all of a sudden, you know, the coach's fault. But is, is he safe? You know, I, I would have to say probably not, because that's just the way this business goes, and he knows that. And uh, Dave, this question, me and Rick, uh, we've been talking about it often since the month of September, and it's in regards to Canadians on defense. Uh, Mark Barbario has been called up, and he's been doing a great job uh, since he's been up here. Uh, Craig Pattern is in the lineup tonight, replacing Jeff Petrie. Uh, Jared Tenorti, he is still around with the team. Tom Gilbert, he should be back soon. He skated this morning in Brostard. Uh, do you think that the defensive core will still be the same when it comes after the trade deadline? Because Canadians, they can't keep all these guys around for, I don't know, I guess how long can you keep them all around? Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think this is a, you know, this team has aspirations to win the Stanley Cup. Not to make the playoffs, but to win the Stanley Cup. They've been to the conference finals a couple of times in the last few years, and now they want to make that next step. I am not quite sure they have the depth and, and that one veteran guy uh, that, that can really um, push them over the top. Markov was that guy. I, I think we would all agree that uh, Andre Markov is, is starting to battle a little, a little father time, as evidenced by the fact that he's been separated from PK and uh, reining back his minutes. Uh, his point production is, is, is way down. And uh, listen, he's been a great Canadian. He's closing in on 900 games. He has been a great player for a long time. It still is a good, you know, a good top six defenseman for sure. I'm not suggesting move him at all, but uh, I don't think that this is a championship caliber a defense core right now as it sits. Mark Barbario, the local guy, he's a great story, and he's looked pretty darn good in the last six games that he's played. Uh, the question is, and I know he's got 100 games under his belt, but the question is, can he can he maintain that? I guess we, we might find out, um, because so far he has a little bit of a hop to that back end, a little bit of mobility back there, getting shots through to the net, and uh, he's a guy who's been to a Memorial Cup in the past, a Calder Cup in the past, and that experience, uh, I think, counts. Yeah, even here in the National Hockey League, you know, a guy who's been there, done that in pressure situations, and that's great to have. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're getting a little thin uh, overall when you look at a championship-caliber D, and I think that might be one area that they would probably look to uh, look to add to, as he has done in the past. When when we're talking about the fans, we, we, you know, you have to talk about P.K. Subban. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, just one goal um, – you look at someone like uh, Shane Gostas Bierre with, with uh, uh, the Flyers comes up. He's played half the games. I think he's up to seven or eight goals already and, and is, is been, you know, uh, made a real impact with, with that Flyers team. Um, I think it's fair to say that, that uh, PK hasn't been in that upper echelon, you know, the, the Dowdies, Weber's Carlson's this so far this season, uh, usually comes on stronger in the, the latter half of the, the year. Um, but but people, I think, um, are starting to tie his his start to the season with uh, some of his off-ice activities. And, and, you know, there's no one going to criticize his charitable works, which have been wonderful. But I think it's it's more his focus. And and when he made those charitable contributions, um, there, was, there was several interviews where he was stressing – 
that hockey was only a very tiny fraction of who he is, of of his brand, as he called it. Um, do, do you think his focus has, has maybe strayed a little bit um, to start the season? Um, honestly, uh, I don't. And I've done I've done a bunch of Montreal games this season. I think uh, more than any other Canadian team, I've I've been here a lot, and I watch a lot. Uh, from my days when I used to uh, you know do the regional games, I watched the Canadians a lot, and I've seen a lot over the last four or five years. And um, I don't, guys. I, I I know what you're saying, and I know there was a lot of uh, said about his pump up uh, speech when he, uh, during the uh, Road to the Winter Classic thing. But you know, this is who the guy is. It's it's it really isn't an act. He he really is like this, and uh, I think it's 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 interesting how the the hockey culture is. Is that normally these types of big large personalities are kind of suppressed or or looked down upon because it's just not the hockey way. Hockey players are just kind of quiet guys from small towns, <laughs> whether they're in Europe or Canada or the states, and they don't have a lot. You know, really a whole bunch to say, and there's a lot of them like that, and all good guys, but they're just like that. PK is not like that. Uh, if you're asking me if if you know his focus isn't where it should be um, in terms of being detrimental to his play, I would have to say my opinion is no. Uh, he still logs a major league minutes at a time when they really need it. I mean, who else is going to step up and play 25, 26 minutes uh, or more uh, a night? He's still right up there in the top ten in that category. Uh, he plays every night. He's, I think it's pretty close to 250 consecutive games. And here's the thing about his points. Yes, he should have more than one goal. That was 33 games ago. No question. With that shot, that weapon, his offensive ability, he should. In fact, he's been in double digits goals, uh, well, I think, four of the last five seasons. He needs more goals, yes. But he's still got a lot of points. He's still got, uh, what, 27 assists. He's third amongst all NHL defensemen in, in assists on a team that's struggling offensively. So the points are still there. He's still on pace to to uh, to hit that 60-point 60, 60 mark, which he did last year, and that was a career high. So I, I think people f- just focus a lot on the goals, and I, I just acknowledge that he does need more, but it's not like the points aren't there. Um, to me, this guy's a stallion, and, and, and keep in mind, he's been moved back and forth to the strong side and weak side on the power play. There's been a lot of adjustment while that power play has struggled. He's worked with different partners. Uh, Bolio's been out on that first unit. Now they've gone back to Markov of, of late. There's a lot of things that go into it, and uh, but I still think this guy is, uh, you know, a franchise cornerstone that uh, that, that is. This, quite frankly, this hockey community uh, is, is lucky to have him. I think um, because of what he does give back to to the community and how he does believe and understand what it is to be a, a Montreal Canadian. It, it is not lost on him. Um, and, and you know that this place has very high standards for those who who, who skate and. That uniform, and I think he gets all of that, and and would not be distracted by you know any charitable work or any other things that he likes to do off the ice. I think he keeps it all pretty straight, and and, uh, and, and his play, in my mind, uh, is is fine. And as we know, PK Subban will be a storyline during the off season with all the speculation that he may be traded. We're gonna take a break. On either side, Douglas Gallivan of CBC TV Montreal will be discussing the vote of confidence that Mark Bergevin gave to Michel Terrier and the players in January. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, 
a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to part one of our two-part best of episodes. I'm Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. In January, during the team's worst stretch of franchise history, most of the Canadians fan base wanted Mark Bergevin to fire head coach Michel Terrier. On the January 30th episode of the Habs 360 podcast, CBC TV Montreal's Douglas Gallivan joined us, and we started by asking him if the criticism against Terrier was fair. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I was sitting in the uh, press box watching the game right before the All-Star break when they're uh, playing against uh, the Blue Jackets there, a team that uh, they should have no trouble beating, and you're just kind of looking at his line combinations uh, for that game, and uh, honestly, I was having a lot of trouble sort of following what he was trying to do. I mean, you can see from time to time when he kind of mixed things up, and he put the lines in the blender before, but uh, during that game, uh, a lot of confusion. Um, it doesn't really bode well for the players either when you're mixing up the lines so much in a game. You know, guys kind of thrive on consistency a little bit. And, of course, sometimes a little bit of a mix-up can give your players a bit of a jolt in the middle of the game and whatnot. But when you're mixing things up so much, it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, the guys even know who's going to be on their left or on their right when they're on the ice. And uh, if you don't really have that... Uh, ability to have uh, the instinct to know who's going to be and where they're going to be kind of takes things a little bit away there. Of course, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen all the calls on social media uh, ramping up to to get rid of uh, Michel Perrien, but uh, the thing is, too, do, do you really have the confidence in the upper management of the Montreal Canadiens that a coaching change would be this uh, dramatic shift in philosophy uh, for the team? I mean, uh, you kind of, I have the feeling that, uh, you know, if you do make a change like this, it might give your team a little bit of a jolt in the short term, but if that's not the long-term direction that you want to go, uh, it could end up being a lot more detrimental uh, to the squad. But, uh, you know, when Mark Bergevin comes out and says that uh, Michel Therrien is not going anywhere for the end of the year, and then they turn around and play uh, the games like they did, uh, in Toronto and then back-to-back -back against the Blue Jackets, you kind of look and wonder, has he not backed himself into a corner at this point? Because when there was the calls for Terrian to be fired after the Boston game, um, I think that might have been your opportunity to make a move. Uh, but when you come out and then uh, give that ringing endorsement uh, to the coach moving forward, uh, where does that leave you for the rest of the season? It, it kind of puts you in a spot where you're wondering if, they've kind of given up on this year because if you're not going to make a coaching change, you're essentially saying that, well, maybe that won't make a difference at all uh, or it won't change the ultimate out outcome of this season. So if that's the case uh, and you can't make the big personnel moves that, uh, you know, we've been seen or at least fans have been kind of calling for, uh, where does that leave your team? So um, Michel Therrien, I think he's in a tough spot right now. But at the same time, uh, when you kind of look at the timing of the All-Star break here and you kind of break the half season into two halves, you see that kind of jolting great start that they had and then this disastrous uh, second portion of the season. Maybe the management's sitting on the other side of this wondering, you know, if, it can, if the pendulum can swing that much, who's to say it can't swing back in the other direction? I mean, it mm. seems kind of like a long shot right now, but uh, maybe that's the thinking. And speaking of the Canadian general manager, 
uh, Mark Bergevin, when he gave his word of confidence, he also gave his word of confidence to the players uh, that he trusts that team and those are the players he's going to stick with. Uh, I personally believe when it comes to uh, to the players, he said what he said not to hurt uh, the value of him when he's trying to do a trade, right? Because if he would have said, I'm looking for a trade, well, then other GMs would try to take uh, advantage of him. Do you think at this do you think at this point Bergevin is trying to improve his team or do you take what he said at that time uh, at face value and he actually trusts the team that he has on hand right now? I don't think any GM is not trying to constantly improve their team, but you, you, like you said, you, you can't come out and say we're trying to make a big move right now because that ultimately will bring the trade value down of all of the players that you're trying to move. But then if you look across the roster of the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, who's really a good trade prospect right now who would be on your trade bait list um you know andre markov uh, is one guy that's names keeps coming up but again his long-standing position with the montreal Canadiens would sort of be a tough emotional move to make on the hab side of things and then of course he's got the contract that he has with a year remaining on it and you have to wonder what could you even get in return for him at this time especially considering how poorly he's been playing and then you look across the the rest of the uh, potential trade bait guys, and I've heard Thomas Buchanan's name come up uh, uh, quite a bit, but, uh, you know, his trade position is not very good either. I mean, because they added that two-year extension onto his contract at the beginning of the season. Is Thomas Buchanan a guy that any team in the league right now is going to want to trade for at $6 million a year moving forward? I mean, that's a pretty heavy burden to slap onto your team. And if he and especially considering his output as of recently. And then you look into the second tier of guys, maybe your unmovables, you know, are you going to really trade a Brendan Gallagher? He's a kind of guy that has a contract that would be, you know, something any team would want to take on based on his production, but he's not a guy that you're going to want to move. And Max Pacioretty, another guy in the same situation. I mean, the Canadians have in the past uh, not been shy of trading their captains away, but uh, when, uh, you know, is Max Pacioretty going to be a guy that you're going to move? I don't think so. So really, you know, what kind of assets could Mark Bergevin even really be shopping around right now? Uh, he could be shopping around maybe a Nathan Beaulieu. I've heard that one come up uh, quite a bit as well. But, I mean, this is a young defenseman uh, who is supposed to be the centerpiece of your defense, or part of the center, not uh, with P.K. Subban, uh, moving forward for this team. So you do, do you really want to mortgage your future by moving a few players like that for some sort of short-term answer uh, this season, especially when you're kind of looking at this season in a greater context? Is this the year that the Montreal Canadiens are going to go for it, and the further and further they slip away from a playoff position, you have to think that maybe the, you know, get going out there and getting a rental player, getting an older veteran player, maybe now is not the year to do it. Whereas, you know, earlier in the season before this slump happened, I mean, all the talk was just, hey, let's see the Montreal Canadiens go out there, add that top six forward to the mix, and that could be the catalyst that kind of pushes them over the top. Well, now it doesn't feel like that. Uh, is is the case. So uh, I, I believe Mark Bergevin has to be back there kind of doing something, but I also believe he's he's kind of handcuffed in this situation. And a lot of GMs in the league in the salary cap era are, are in that uh, same sort of situation. Making that big deal uh, isn't as easy as it was pre-salary cap. Uh, so what can the Habs really do at this point? And then when you come out and say that your coach isn't going to be going anywhere, it kind of looks like it's going to be status quo moving forward. So why wouldn't he come out and say, I believe in these players? I think they do need a boost of confidence right now. And if if you can't shake up the room like you'd want to, then maybe uh, coming out and saying that uh, these are the guys that we're going to ride with uh, will give the players at least that uh, level of stability that might propel them forward back into what they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, the next question, it's it's uh, a little bit fictitious, right? Because you know it's not going to happen. But let's say on Tuesday morning, uh, we would find out that Carey Price is back and he's back in the lineup yeah. and he, he'll be the starting goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. Is everything fixed? Well, the thing is, it's it's starting to get fixed if that is to happen. But the the thing is, you have to remember, Carey Price has been out for two months. And even if he is to come back, is he going to be the Carey Price that won all those awards last year? 
So while Carey Price is part of the solution, and I honestly believe that if he had have been healthy during this streak, that the streak wouldn't have snowballed the way it was. He, you know, when when you're going into these losing streaks, you see it time and time again. You need sort of like a streak buster, you, and Carey Price is the guy who can deliver that kind of performance. Uh, Mike Condon, while he's been very solid for the Montreal Canadiens this year, it's clear that the guys playing in front of him don't have the same level of confidence that they do when Carey Price is playing. And sometimes you just need that goaltender to get into the game and just steal one for you. You know, when you're in a three-game skid or something like that, and a goaltender can go out there and take one of those good effort performances that the Montreal Canadiens have had throughout this streak but just haven't gotten victories, and throw a donut out there and steal maybe a one nothing win, that can stop the snowball from rolling into, say, a five-game losing streak, a 10-game losing streak, and into what we've kind of seen right now. So if you've had Carey Price in the lineup, as bad as the Montreal Canadiens have been playing, he would be kind of your uh, streak buster in that sense. Now, if he does come back... I mean, obviously there will be a big emotional boost when he does get back into the lineup. But at this point in the season, you have to wonder, you know, what is the real extent of this injury here? Uh, It seems to me like it's around the knee area. If the Montreal Canadiens are not in striking distance of the playoffs and Carey Price is wary about coming back and pushing uh, that uh, injury and, and risking uh, potential more damage to it, are they going to take the decision to just shut him down for the rest of the year? So I, I, I think we're at a very critical point in the season, and it's not up to Carey Price to decide if the Habs are going to be going for it or not because he's not part of the equation right now. Uh, but it's up to his teammates to say, you know what, we have to put ourselves in a position so that when Carey Price does uh, have the health uh, at a level where he can come back, that he can actually help us forward as opposed to just, you know, grinding up the rest of the clock on this year. And if there's any concern that he could uh, injure himself any further and the Canadians are out of the playoff picture, or at least it looks like a long shot, and even if they do get in, I mean, how much uh, damage could they possibly do, then I believe shutting him down would be, uh, you know, a, a reasonable thing for the Montreal Canadiens to do because you have to understand uh, if this is not the year and if that is the decision that the upper management is kind of taking by keeping on to the coach and not making any big moves by sending your uh, uh, younger prospects away, then maybe Carey Price is better used uh, when he's fully healthy next season than uh, this season where uh, all hope may be lost. Hey, Doug, it's Rick Stevens. Um, we've had a chance to communicate uh, via Twitter, all Habs via Twitter, but this is, uh, this is a good chance to talk to you. Um, listen, you were talking to Chris uh, a minute ago about uh, potential trades um, that Mark Bergevin um, might be looking at or, or struggling to make. He did make a trade. Uh, he made made a trade, uh, not that not that fans or not that anyone was expecting, really, Um and that's for John Scott, and it's set up, um, you know, um, all kinds of layers to this story. And and yes. let's let's leave the the All Star Game and that circus aside for for a minute. Uh-huh. And and you know you have you have Mark Bergevin trading one of his prized assets, a, a first round draft yes. choice, regardless of 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 it, whether he's achieved his potential or not, is a valued asset. And he's traded Absolutely. him for John Scott. Real hockey player. Yeah. yeah. He traded him for John Scott, Victor Bartley. Uh, Stefan Fournier was involved in the deal. Um, you know, I was I was in Bridgeport to see John Scott's first game, and we interviewed him afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, the Canadians didn't trade for John Scott. Uh, we know that. Um, right. The, the Canadians didn't trade regardless of what they say. They didn't trade for Victor Bartley. He's not. Uh, they've got half a dozen defensemen better than Victor Bartley. Mm-hmm. Um, not a salary cap issue because they don't. They don't. Uh, it was they only don't about thousand dollars saved. Right. right. So, yeah. so on. Um, you know, that raises the question: Why would they get involved in this mess? And and on Twitter, I noticed um, you were uh, responding to Brandon Kelly, and you said you have your theories. Um, <laughs> do you do you want to do you want to 
you venture into that well, area right now? Well, yeah, I, I can I can kind of venture into it, but uh, just to put a kind of a disclaimer on this, I mean, it, it just really does seem fishy, the reasons why the Montreal Canadiens make this trade, because you, you look at it from a hockey side of things, and just as you said, you know, if Victor Bartley is the key to this trade, why is he playing down in the minor leagues right now? And at the same time, you're giving away an asset like Jared Trinordi, who uh, most everyone says could be uh, or would have been an NHL defenseman for many years already if he had not been uh, sort of buried uh, behind the depth of the Montreal Canadiens. But, I mean, the the, the, the inner workings behind this trade, it's hard to get a full uh, grasp on because Mark Bergevin did say in his press conference last week there's things that happen behind the scenes that I can't tell you about in this situation. Now, you have to imagine that uh, Jared Trinordi wanted out of this situation. You know, he's just sitting on the bench. He's not playing in the AHL or the NHL. The team's too afraid to put him on waivers because they, will, they won't get anything for him. So there's got to be a lot of pressure from the player's side of things. Um, but, you know, yes, this is a great trade for Jared Trinordi because he gets an opportunity to go somewhere else and perhaps get some playing time. But it, why would the Montreal Canadiens make a trade where they're taking the players' interests ahead of the interests of the club. It doesn't make uh, a whole lot of sense there, but don't you get the feeling, at least I get the feeling, that uh, something was called in, a favor was called in on the backside of this thing to move John Scott out of Arizona. Um, if you Did you read the Players' Tribune piece that uh, John Scott put out uh, this week? Yeah, we, we talked about it in the previous yeah. It was terrific. It, it breaks it, stereotypes, it, your, your view of, of who John Scott was. Uh, it was terrific. Well, the, the, yeah, the one part of that that I just want to focus in on is where he went into the room to talk with the management of the Arizona Coyotes, and he said, uh, you know, behind cold doors, it got it, it's got emotional. It got emotional, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. So that was the part that I kind of honed in on because it, that to me looked like there was John Scott confronting the Arizona management about the actual legitimacy of this trade because from, even from his perspective, it didn't make uh, any sense at that time. So. My, you know, my theory, and this is just sort of a conspiracy theory in that sense, is that perhaps there was some sort of deal struck on the NHL side of things um, with the Montreal Canadiens uh, to take John Scott off the hands of the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, is this something that the Arizona Coyotes said, okay, you take you you take care of this situation for us, and we'll uh, sort of you, you know how in trade sometimes they leave the the clock future considerations. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll scratch your back in, in the future, or is this something where the actual league stepped in and, you know, uh, at the same time, look, look at what's happening with the expansion teams right now, uh, or the possible expansion teams into perhaps Quebec city. Do you think Jeff Molson really wants a team in Quebec city? I don't think so, but he's been very, very quiet on this issue. Uh, so far, we haven't really heard uh, what Jeff Molson is saying, but I would guess that he's behind the scenes working against this issue because no matter what happens, if Quebec gets a team, you're going to see at least a 35% drop in the revenues for the Montreal Canadiens. It's a, you know it's a team moving into his marketing space. So is this something that they're kind of will push this off for another couple of years, or is this sort of one of those? Uh, Molson's saying, I've been keeping quiet and I'm kind of looking for something on my end kind of thing. So this kind of stuff, you know, I don't have any actual evidence to support this or anything, but you have to start wondering what kind of deal was struck between the league or the Arizona Coyotes with the Montreal Canadiens to get them involved in a move like this where you're moving an asset away for nothing, really. And, and you know, there it doesn't seem to be any... Uh, will by the Montreal Canadian side of things to bring John Scott up this year. But at the same time, I mean, you're looking at how they're playing. What could it really hurt right now? I mean, the team's playing like a wet noodle. You bring John Scott up. He seems like a character guy, like you said, uh, that piece kind of showed it there. And maybe this is the kind of dressing room guy that you, you need right now to start motivating the players. So, you know, even though Mark Bergevin didn't seem like willing to bring him up, also listening to John Scott speak at the All-Star game yesterday, 
he said Mark Bergevin's told him just to keep on working. So it doesn't seem like Bergevin's given him the message that the door is closed, even though that is kind of the message that uh, we've been getting up here. So, you know, the, uh, the, the inner workings behind this trade, I'm, I'm not sure we'll ever really have the answer to it unless you see sort of moving forward a deal that the Montreal Canadiens kind of get an asset from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for something that doesn't look like an asset on our end. And then maybe that's your sort of makeup call as, uh, as, we, uh, as you hear in the game sometimes. Well, if M- Mikel Bodker comes back to the Canadians for Marcus Eisensmead, then, uh, you know, I'll feel a little bit better about uh, <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah, no, the trade doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. And I mean, you know, Bartley, you know, he's not even good enough right now to to crack the roster, let alone stay uh, with the big club. So, uh, you know, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the hockey side. Yeah. And, and Victor Bartley, um, he only played a period and a half. He didn't look that he looked fine. Uh, he didn't look anything extraordinary. I and mean, he uh, left that game and mm-hmm. hasn't been back since with the injury. Um, yep. One more thing before we let you go, um, you know, all of these these milestones, uh, the worst losing streak in 76 years, the yep. uh, 25 years without back-to-backs, the losing back-to-back against the last place team hasn't happened in 31 years. It's starting to have an effect. Um, and you tweeted a picture um, yeah. of some empty, some empty seats um, mm-hmm. um, at oh. the last home game. And now, you know, the seats are sold, they're no-shows, but... But this yeah. starts to have a ripple effect on on bars, on gear sales, Absolutely. on on the economy of Montreal. And I just wondered if, if you're seeing um, that starting to happen already. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this year, uh, you could you could kind of hear it. Even at the beginning of the season, when the team was winning and everything was kind of coming so easily, the atmosphere at the Bell Centre this year wasn't living up to what the Bell Centre reputation is normally and then once the team started losing you started seeing even less and less of sort of the motivation from the crowd uh, to propel the team forward on the ice and uh, i think we saw it hit a, a low point when the, the the blue jackets were in town last week i mean i tweeted out that photo and that photo uh, i took that photo you know after the anthems and whatnot they have uh, all the people kind of pile up near the entrances of the doorways and then after the first whistle, everyone floods in and gets into their seats. So I took that photo after the first whistle of the first period where normally that entire section is packed. Well, you can just look at it and see that there are dozens and dozens of seats that uh, are unfilled. Now, as the game progressed, uh, maybe uh, a resale out front of the building or something like that, uh, a few more seats kind of filled up. But still, dozens and dozens of these seats left empty. That means that there are people or someone paying for these tickets that are deciding not even to bother to go to the game because, like you said, they are kind of sold. Uh, at the same time, outside of the uh, the venue, bars have been telling CBC that uh, they're hurting as well. And, you know, a lot of these places make their nut for the entire year on the Montreal Canadiens playoff run and how well that goes. Anytime the Habs aren't in the playoffs, I mean, it hurts them uh, big time. But if you're going to sort of lose hope in a season uh, as early as we are right now here, uh, and if you sort of have that absence of the Montreal Canadiens in February, March, April and May, as opposed to just April and May, uh, you could see some big ripple effects on especially uh, the bar scenes and, and jersey sales and all those kinds of things. It, it's happening. I mean, we you can just feel the mood in the Bell Center, and that's sort of a nervous center uh, for the entire city in a lot of ways uh, around the Montreal Canadiens. So when you don't feel it in the building, the ripple effects do kind of go out there. Now, it was really interesting because uh, before the game, uh, the Blue Jackets game, I kind of wandered around uh, the uh, mezzanine level of the uh, the Bell Centre just talking to a few fans about uh, the fact that uh, not only the Montreal Canadiens might not be in the playoffs, but there might not be a Canadian team uh, in the playoffs this year. Now, the hardcore hockey fans all told me, not without exception, that they will watch the playoffs regardless of if there is a Montreal Canadiens team in it or any Canadian team in it because they're hockey fans. And those are the hardcore fans. And I truly believe they're not going to be rocked by this at all because after all they're the ones going to see the Habs play the Blue Jackets uh in January and paying the money and paying the the 
the, the prices to get the beers there at the stadium anyway. So those are your kind of core people. But I wonder about the periphery of the fan base and those fans that kind of just drop in playoff time. Well, they've completely tuned out at this point. Uh, and that is something, those are, those are the people that fill the bars. Those are the friends of the friends who are hockey fans who come to the bars and make the atmosphere what it is in Montreal come playoff time. Because it, it, the hardcore fans are always going to be there, but it's the casual fans that really bring it out uh, of this city. And uh, if they're not tuning in, well, then uh, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough grind for uh, the merchants in Montreal and the bars that depend on the Montreal Canadiens to, uh, to make their profits. Douglas was right because we did see empty seats at the Bell Centre during the final stretch. And restaurants and bars in the downtown Montreal area did report a 50% drop in their business for the months of January and February. We're going to take a break. On the other side, Rick and I talk about Jared Tenorti trade and read funny tweets from our listeners. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Habs360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 177, part one of our two best of episodes. The Canadians' trade of Jared Tenori to the Coyotes in January for Victor Bartley and John Scott made headlines across the NHL. In March, Tenori was suspended 20 games for violating the terms of the Performance Enhancing Substances Program and on the March 12th episode, Rick and I discussed if that was the reason he was traded. Well, then why in the world did you trade for John Scott in the first place? Well, I, I don't make trade based on the All-Star game. Uh, I, uh, the timing, uh, that was the timing to make the trade uh, with John Scott. Uh, that has nothing to do with the Montreal Canadiens with the All-Star game. Uh, I made a trade that at the time, I had to make that trade, so I have some reason that I can't really tell you why, but uh, if I could, you probably would understand. So that was a one-on-one -on -one interview between Rick and Mark Bergevang. He's Rick was <laughs> questioning him there on that uh, trade. So now fast forward, Rick. Uh, Jared Nordy suspended 20 games for violating performance-enhancing drugs. Um, I think that we know the answer now uh, that 
if he if maybe they didn't know the results, Bergevin knew something around uh, Tenori taking the uh, violating the performance enhancing substances, and I'm pretty sure I'm. Obviously, I can't 100% guarantee it, right? Only Mark Bergevin knows. But that really, I think, is what drove the trade uh, the way it was to Nordy for John Scott and Victor Bartley. It's okay. The, you know, the trade on, on its face was uh, the, the, the return that they got. And, and that's what we were talking about last week in that clip that you played. Return, Victor Bartley... Um, as as you mentioned, a youth at the end of the year, and his his play has been awful. John Scott, um, you know, I, I, it, it was when when we heard about it, it was considered a joke. The, the Canadians were the laughing stock, all that sort of thing. He he hasn't even been uh, fighting all that much in and and protecting his teammates in in St. John's. We know we've heard that he's n- never going to be. Uh, uh, get a, uh, an NHL game with the Canadians, and that was kind of reaffirmed when Mike Brown was brought on. So all of that, and and those cryptic comments, as John Lou described them, um, you know, he he was wondering if they more applied to to um, John Scott aspect. Um, but as you replayed them there, you know, I'm not sure that that's the case. The the fact that this is such a, a there are layers to it that this is something that people don't makes people uncomfortable when they talk about it that that gets gets into that cloud of credibility or lack of credibility there's no way that the canadians should have ever involved themselves in anything like this um you know mark bergevin has repeatedly said how difficult in the league it is to make a make a trade it hasn't seemed so difficult for other GMs, but but Bergevin has, let's grant him that it's difficult to make a trade. Do you think this whole situation, number one, he didn't didn't make the Canadians better in any way, but has this situation improved his ability to to trade with other GMs around the league? No, it's it's made it worse. There's, how hard is it going to be now? No one's going to trust him. Um, you know, there, there's the other aspect that some of this lies with the Coyotes because there was the report that the NHL advised them to wait until after the deadline um, to to finish the trade, and, and they wanted to go ahead with it. So they bear some responsibility. But but let's, as as we focus on the Canadians, look at the Canadians' aspect, and there's no aspect that's good to this trade. I don't think it, it made things worse. I don't think it made things better. I, I don't think it changed anything. Uh, I know uh, Dave Tippett said that they they didn't know the results. He actually said none of the organizations knew uh, of what the results are. When Mark Bergevin called Don Maloney and told them, I want to give you Jared Tenorti and uh, give me John Scott or what, however that conversation went, you'd think that Don Maloney was probably thinking to himself, like, wait a second, like, why do you want to give me Jared Tenorti and why do you want John Scott in return? So I'm sure it was some kind of conversations. I knew either Bergevin had an idea of what Tenorti was taking or he knew that and, uh, the Canadians just got tested and, like, you know what, we need to get rid of him. Something, like, there must have been a trigger. I don't think uh, when they say when something is too good to be true, it, it usually is. So if Don Maloney, I, I would expect him when this kind of thing to say, you know what, like, what's up? Like, why are we doing this trade? And it, it was known that at least the tests were 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 done and what to expect as results. To the point where even the NHL said that they were asked if he'd investigate this trade or if Arizona had the possibility of canceling it or voiding it or whatever the term is called, and they said that they... That they that they won't. So I personally think that when it comes to Bergevin and his relationship with the other GMs, I think it it wasn't changed. If Tenorti would have been traded for uh, a, Do- a Max Domi or a Duclair or a Michael Botker, then I'd say different story because that he sort of, he he would have screwed the other GM. Or in this case, it was uh, one one favor for another favor. But the Coyotes don't get a favor back. I mean, the, the, you know, this this 
sustain, as, as, it, as it's called, um, this problem is now handed to, to the coyotes without them knowing. If, if what you're saying is true, that, that Bergevin had a, even an inkling that, that there was going to be a problem, he traded a major problem, he made a major headache, and, and not only with that particular player, but, but that gets attached to your, your image, your, your, your organizational um, credibility. Um, so, I so mean, how much I, of a, I, so Rick, I still... Rick, how much of a problem is Jared Norty to, to the Coyotes? This, okay, he's not going to, he's missing 20 games, but after that, he's back. Like, obviously, we don't know what that illegal, sorry, not illegal, the, the banned substance is, but after 20 games, he's back and he could continue on his career. Like, how bad is it for the Coyotes? But, but doesn't this, um, shouldn't it have been the, the Coyotes' decision that, yes, we want to take this on, yes, we want to deal with this as an organization, or no, we don't? That should be their decision. Their, whether that fits, whether their image in the community can absorb that hit or not. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 the Canadians, their image is strong, right? Their image is really strong. Um, so they could absorb the Cassian hit, uh, even though it was well discussed and everything. The the Coyotes are on, you know, what went through with Glendale Council and everything. There's not a lot of support there to begin with. And if now, um, you know, it's thrown in their face, well, you had someone that failed the drug, it's it's a different situation. And whether we... Uh, think that they could absorb it or not, it should have been their decision whether they wanted to um, accept that or not. But I'm, I'm not so worried about about the Coyotes. I'm more focused on, on Bergevin's credibility and, and his, his phrase that he had to make the trade. And it, it, he did, I mean, he had other options, you know? He could have traded Tom Gilbert. Um, and he probably should have traded Tom Gilbert if he needed to make room um, on, on the defensive side. If he didn't want to trade Tom Gilbert, if he, he wanted to make this about Jared Tenorti, put him on waivers. If if he knew this was going to be a problem, then put him on waivers. And if somebody picks him up, well, then damage goods, damage goods. I mean, it's that's not a big deal. Or if he... Uh, pass through waivers, I doubt that he would, but he would have went to St. John's and this would have been a, a very different thing. And then you wouldn't have brought in the John Scott circus and, and, and all of the negative uh, um, uh, press that, that came with, with that. Um, he had other options. I just think out of all the options he had, he, he made the worst choice. There definitely was a circus around John Scott, as he did end up playing one game in a Canadian's uniform. Canadian general manager Mark Bergevin spent the February 6th weekend in St. John's to watch the Ice Caps play. Now we asked our listeners to send us creative tweets telling us what the GM would be doing in St. John's. Uh, let's read some of the uh, most creative responses that we received on Twitter. First one comes from uh, Smack. He writes ice fishing trip for uh, Mark Bergevin. Next one like comes, yeah. Next one comes from uh, Danny. From uh, he writes, what's he doing out east? Same thing he does every other day, looking for a new suit and not managing this hockey team. So, <laughs> firing some shots there to the job manager. Some good shopping in St. John's. <laughs> Next one comes from Kyle in uh, Montreal. He writes, auditioning for Great Big C. <laughs> uh, next one, tweet comes from Jim in uh, Brantford, Connecticut. He writes, looking for more grinders. <laughs> so thanks for the tweet, uh, Jim. Uh, Tony, he writes, hiding from the Montreal press and the fans. So <laughs> thank you mm. very much. Uh, Dave, he writes in, uh, in from Alberta. Getting design ideas for a new Habs jersey and grabbing an ice cap from Tim Hortons and ice cap in brackets. So nice uh, play of words there, Dave. Thank you for the tweet. Hey, those ice cap jerseys that they were wearing last night, the Royal Newfoundland Regiment, they're smart looking. So maybe there's some truth to that. (laughs) Next week comes from Andy, and he writes crying. 
Well, well, definitely lots of uh, Canadians fans are crying. Uh, next one comes from Fox in Regina. He writes, closing in on another fourth-line grinder. So Benjamin <laughs> taking quite a number of shots from our followers. Uh, Carlos, he writes, interviewing coaching replacements. So thank you for the tweet. And next one comes from uh, Alex. He writes from uh, Montreal, extending Lefebvre for another five years. <laughs> so, Rick, we did say to get creative, and that one was pretty creative. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one a lot. Next one comes from Taz. He writes, evaluating John Scott. Well, if he that's the purpose of his trip, well, it was definitely a wasted trip because John Scott not in the lineup. And uh, next one comes from uh, Jeremy Watkins, who writes "Hitting George Street." So I'm guessing that must be some kind of popular drinking street or something. The pubs are all. No, that's where the pubs are. Okay, so there you go. Um, the next one comes from uh, Wade in uh, San Pedro, Belize. He writes, "Seeing how their young goalies are doing, if price is done, need to trade or get UFA goalie for next year." So thank you for the tweet, Wade. I'm uh, sure he wasn't that. impressed. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't impressed by a Fukali last night. Um, next one comes from uh, Corey, managing editor of AllHabs.net. He writes, "Hope it's to replace Lefebvre. and he isn't Tony Wenrick, so it seems like uh, not only fans are calling for Michel Terrier's said, they're also calling for uh, Lefebvre's said in Hamilton. Yeah, it's uh, and that that's not only in in Montreal, but it, you hear that in St. John's as well. Uh, next one, it comes from uh, Brian. He writes, uh, "Don't overthink it." As part of the move agreement, he agreed to this visit. He's going to kiss the cod and be welcomed <laughs> a new fee. <laughs> All right. So thank you for the tweet, Brian from uh, Brossard. Uh, next tweet comes from uh, Mike Mike Vini. He writes, "Hopefully not interviewing Lefebvre for Michel Terrier's job." And well, let's be honest. If the Canadians at this point decide to uh, fire their coach, I think Lefebvre, at least as an interim, probably becomes the uh, a front runner for uh, for it. Absolutely. Uh, next tweet comes from uh, Jim Parker in Halifax. He writes, "Looking at Fukali." So he probably wasn't impressed what he saw uh, last night. Ariane, three, she three goals in three goals in in the first four minutes. Yeah, and, and pulled out of the game. Yeah, Ariane writes. Hopefully, is there to fire Lefebvre and replace him. So another one calling for uh, Lefebvre said. Uh, Matt, he writes, hopefully he's giving Mike McCarron a good long look. Could make a jump to the NHL soon. So thank you for the tweet, uh, Matt. Uh, Jim, he writes, ensuring the curse of John Scott is in place. And he hashtags it, free John Scott. And another tweet comes from Moncton, New Brunswick, from uh, Eddie. Hopefully bringing up John Scott. So we have some John, John Scott fans out there. So this one confirms what you told us a couple of seconds ago about um, George Street because uh, Regan, he writes, probably getting screeched in at trappers on uh, George Street. <laughs> and next tweet comes from uh, Snowhat from Parts Unknown. He writes, scouting this new player on the opposition. think his name is Prest. So, nice. and, and there was some... On social media, Rick, some people, when uh, Brandon Press was placed on waivers this week, that they wanted Canadians to go look at him. Yeah, well, th th yeah, that was, it's not going to happen. Uh, and the connection there is uh, Utica, who the Canadians played last night and again tonight, are the Vancouver Canucks um, affiliate, AHL affiliate. So uh, you have Prust. Uh, um, cleared waivers, and you have Yannick Weber, uh, another former Canadian that uh, he just cleared waivers today. Uh, Mike, he writes, uh, going to George Street to drink away his problems. Uh, Eric Thibault, he writes, seeing how bad the team is being coached. Uh, Mike writes, evaluating prospects to see who deserves a call-up if we sell at the deadline. 
possibly having face-to-face chat with one or two players. So, uh, well, we definitely have a couple of episodes to talk about before trade deadline and whether or not Canadians should be buyers or sellers. So that's uh, that's still coming up in a future uh, episode. And in regards to the Canadians uh, tanking, cost of the great, he writes from... He writes Mount Olympus. He's A-OK with the Canadians. Thanks. So thank you very much for the tweet. Uh, Jean, Jean Bernard, he writes, he would be OK if the Canadians finish at the bottom of the standings. We would finally get a good draft pick, start the 2016-17 season fresh. Andre Filippone also is OK with tanking the season. So is uh, Laura from uh, Laval. She's OK with uh, tanking. Uh, Jim... He a Calgary Stampeders fan, so I'm guessing he's from Calgary. He's okay with the Canadians uh, tanking as well. Joe, Joe from Winnipeg, he writes, I can tolerate it, but changes are expected. They have been exposed, and there should be no question now as to what needs to be addressed. And I personally think that all of that will come now at this point during the uh, off season. And one last tweet. It comes from uh, Jeremy Watkins in Scarborough, and he writes, next podcast loser of the week should go to the fans rooting for the Habs to tank shameful. <laughs> Hashtag Habs360. So basically, the last five tweets that I read, he thinks all of them should be <laughs> the losers of the week. We definitely do have the best listeners and followers. That'll do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Episode 178 will be part two of our two-part best of episodes. You'll be hearing from Jeremy Filoza of 98.5 FM, and he was very passionate during our discussion. You won't want to miss that. You'll also hear a discussion with former NHLer Bobby Dallas, who will be talking about many topics, included David Dernier. Thank you for listening. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980, and I'll talk to you again in our next episode. Take care. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.